God. How you doing this morning? You doing good? I hope you're doing well. Uh, welcome to our Savior's Church. Uh, it's such an honor to be here, and uh, I don't know why I say it's an honor to be here, because I'm always here, but that's still an honor to be here. And it's in Crowley last week, and I and, uh, love what God's doing through the OC Crowley, and back here again this weekend, and uh, just an honor to serve with Pastor Bob and Ms. Tracy, and and they get a chance to, to do what uh, we do here. And uh, if you're new to OSC, welcome to our Savior's Church. We hope you feel right at home if you're a guest here. We, this is our gift to you. And uh, you don't have to believe to belong. Uh, whether you came in with doubts or struggles, you're welcome here. And so thanks for being here. And, and our OSC family is really excited that you're here. Amen. I'll work on them. Don't worry. We got a little time. If you got your Bibles turned to Matthew chapter 26, we, uh, I'm going to share a message today I feel like is really from the Lord. I've been studying this passage of scripture for the past three weeks. I've just been in this passage. I've shared a little bit with our men at our men's Bible study on Friday mornings, which by the way, if you're a man in here and want to get connected to some great guys, five, uh, six o'clock on Friday mornings, we're at Java Jolts. We get a little Java Jesus and a little Java coffee and uh, it's at six o'clock on Fridays. I'd love to have you. I would love for you to be there. But uh, we are in Matthew chapter 26 today, and I'm going to share a message that I am calling Under Pressure, Under Pressure. So let's read, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get right in. Matthew chapter 26 says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Father, we come to you in this moment. God, we have prepared our hearts. We have sung truth today. And now we're going to hear it. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear and a heart to receive and hands to apply everything that you're calling and speaking to us today. God, this church doesn't need to hear my voice. They need to hear your voice. And that's our prayer this morning is that they would hear your voice today because it's your voice that changes lives. Not a good sermon, not a good service. Your Holy Spirit changes lives. And God, we ask right now that you would do that today in Jesus' name. And if you are expecting and ready, say amen. 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 All right. All right. You know, we've all experienced pressure in our life. I don't know if you can think back in your life and think about the different times in your life when you've encountered pressure. Um, I've, I've had, you know, a lot of different pressure moments in my life. I, I played a lot of sports in high school and in junior high. And so, of course, there's all the pressure of sports that come along with, you know, making sure that you're batting good and doing well, your team's winning. There's all those kind of pressures that come. Being a teenager, come on, how many know that's pressure? Uh, there's just so much pressure that comes. But one of the one of the greatest moments of pressure that I can recall in my life, it's kind of more of a funny one than it was a serious one, was the moment that I proposed to Lindsay. Uh, that wedding, or not, that, that marriage engagement day was a very big day. Any guys in here remember your proposal? Anybody remember that? You know, there's so much culture builds up for that moment. You know, there's pressure already from everybody to make that moment. How many you know you only get one shot? So, okay, if you just do it wrong, then I don't know. It might not work out. So, so of course, we had built up this day. I went and met with Pastor Bubba. I'd met with Pastor Jacob at the time. I was meeting with all these guys going, hey, give me some ideas. What do you think I should do? And Pastor Jacob was like, listen, 
I got a great idea. We're going to have a staff Christmas party, which they had every year. We'll have about 30 or 40 of our staff leaders. Why don't you do it in front of all of them? And, and, and as immature as I was, I said, yes. And so that day, uh, we, we, I told Lindsay, I'd pick her up and I ended up picking her up and we were even arguing over like what she was wearing because I told her she should dress nice. Cause I had the pressure of like, you gotta be nice. I'm gonna be taking pictures, but she didn't know. And so anyways, craziness that went down, we get there and you're thinking, okay, well, they're going to just, we're going to eat some food, play some Christmas games or something. And then, and then at some point I'll figure out a way to, to, to pop this question. And so sure enough, we sit down at a table. There's tons of people there. Pastor Bob and Miss Tracy are there. Uh, all of our, we've got all these leaders there. And, and so we have this meal. And so I'm thinking, you know, they're going to bring out a salad. We'll eat a salad and then we'll eat our meal. And then, you know, maybe after that, we'll see. Well, what I didn't realize is they were bringing out a five course meal. So the meal was not 20 minutes. The meal was two hours. I'm sitting with my jacket. I have my ring in the coat pocket of the jacket, burning a hole in there, by the way. It's freezing. I didn't add this in the, the nine o'clock, but it was freezing. And Lindsay goes, oh, I'm so cold. And totally forgetting, I took off my jacket and gave it to her as she's sitting there freezing. And, I'm, and it triggers. The ring is in the pocket. Well, thankfully, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't feel it. And so, uh, so anyways, we go into now after two hours of sitting through food coming, you know, you can't eat. So we go through this huge old food and then finally we get into this thing where everybody gets in this big old living room. Pastor Jacob says, Hey, we're going to go around the room and let's just let everybody share. Like, how was your year? Like, talk to us, man. What do you believe in God for the new? I mean, everybody's like sharing personal testimonies. They go around the room and they get to Lindsay and I probably 10 or so people in and he skips us. He goes, and then he looks at me, but then he says the person next to it. And so, so every person in the room shares their personal five hour testimony. I'm sweating, I'm sweating, just sweating. Lindsay's like, you okay? I'm fine. I'm all right. The ring's burning in my pocket. So finally he gets to me, looks to me and says, Hey, man of God, as he always does, man of God, you got something to say. And he knows what's going on. And so sure enough, I, she, Lindsay's sitting beside me. I grab her chair, I swing her over, and I get on my knee and profess my undying love for her. And I break open the ring, and I say, will you marry me? I mean, it's the epic moment. Everybody's looking at me, pressure. And Lindsay, and this is no lie, <laughs> Lindsay looks at the ring and then says, yes. <laughs> Now, she wants me to put some explanation as to why she looked at the ring. It really doesn't matter. She looked at the ring, and then she said yes. That's just how it was. That's how it went down. I'm telling you, okay? Everybody here that's on this front row can attest to it. It's happened. Anyways, pressured moment. We all face pressure. I mean, that's kind of a fun pressured moment. Thankfully, I got it right. Thankfully, she said yes, and now we got three kids. And so... Um, that was a, that was kind of a cool pressured moment, but we all face pressure. I mean, all, everybody in here faces different types of pressure. Some of it's not as, as cool and fun as that is. I mean, women in here, come on, y'all face some pressure, right? Being a mom, being a, a, a woman, just having the pressure of being a woman. Come on, having, have, having a baby is some pressure there. Woo! 
Lord, help us. All right. Some pressure. There's pressure in those moments. Pressure of trying to keep your house in order and maybe trying to cook and trying to work and trying to balance everything. There's pressure, pressure, pressure. Seems like it's coming. Men in here understand pressure. Maybe not, not the pregnancy pressure, but we got other pressure. You know, the pressure of having to be a provider, the pressure of having to take care of your family, the pressure of being the protector, the pressure of, of all the stuff that's going on in life in regards to men. There's just pressure on, on guys to be the men that they need to be. There's pressure everywhere. Teenagers, if there's any teens in the house, you, you got pressure too. Come on, how many of you know the high school days of today are way different than our high school days back in the day? I mean, they face some pressure today that you and I really, I mean, we had some pressure, but not like the pressure is today. The pressure to be a student that's going to stand up and be pure when everybody else is fooling around. The pressure to stand up and follow Jesus when everybody else is doing whatever they want to want. Come on, that's pressure there. Now, students here that are loving Jesus face pressure. They face pressure. The good news, though, in all of that is that we serve a God who understands pressure. Jesus understood pressure. He, he had pressure his whole life. He had religious people that hated him. They despised him. He had people constantly that were always needing something from him. Come on, moms. Can you relate to that? <laughs> uh, you, oh, can, I just opened the bathroom. Can you just go? Everywhere Jesus opened doors and got out of his house and went, people were always there needing something from him. He's, uh, he couldn't get away from people. That's why he's always running to a mountain. He's the only place he can get away from. Always, people always wanting them. Pressure. He had an enemy that, that hated and despised him and wanted him dead. Pressure. Constant pressure. And it's good to know that the God that you and I serve understands pressure that we face. He went through pressure too. And in the, the, the scripture that we just read, we are just now entering into Jesus' most intense pressured moment of his entire life. He's faced some pressures. But this is the most intense. And it's a bit peculiar and a bit strange because we're used to seeing Jesus, big, bold, secure Jesus, that in the most pressured moments, he never flinched, right? I mean, he shows up on the scene, women come out, my, our brother's been dead for three days. And Jesus is not like, oh my God, or oh my me, or however that goes. <laughs> Jesus goes, oh yeah, okay. Hey, Lazarus, get up. Okay, y'all got something else? Like Jesus never, hey, Jesus, the storms are going crazy. What are we going to do? The boat's breaking. Get up. Shut up, storm. Stop. We're used to seeing Jesus bold and confident, easily being able to take care of any of the most pressured situations of life. And yet in this moment, we see a very vulnerable, scared, tired Jesus. He is not the brave bravado of a brave heart. Why will go to the cross? He's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. It's a different kind of Jesus than we're used to seeing. A Jesus that experienced some pressure. You know, people say all the time that God won't give you more than you can handle. Really? That's a lie, by the way. God doesn't give us what we can handle. God helps us handle what has been given to us. And that's the truth. And in this moment, you're going to have a God, Jesus, who goes to God, his father, for a, a real intimate moment. So what I want us to do, we're going to talk about three things. That's it. 
three things that we can look at in this story on how Jesus handled pressure. And we're going to look at how that can help us when we handle pressure. Just by a show of hands, how many of you are facing some pressure right now? Maybe kids, homes. Okay, good. All right, everybody else is a liar. All right, so... Matthew 26, I want us to read in verse 36 and 37, but I want you to write this first point down. Taking some notes. I hope you're taking some notes with us. This, here's your first point. When I feel pressed on, I need to press in. When I feel pressed on, I need to press in. Matthew 26, 36, it says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him, now watch this, taking with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, James and John, those are those two guys, by the way. So Peter, James, and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now I want us to notice here two things that Jesus does. When he's under extreme pressure, there's two things he goes to, all right? You might want to just write these down. They're not in your notes, but you can just write them right there in the little line. Two things that Jesus ran to when he was pressed, people and prayer. Two things that Jesus made sure that he had to have, people and prayer. How many know there's no such thing as a successful Christian island? You can't do this alone. We are better together. You need one another. And in Jesus' most dire moment of his life, notice what happens. He brings all of his guys, 11 of them now, because Judas is about to betray him. So he's got 11 guys. They come, they show up to the garden, and he says, hey, guys, listen, you guys stay right here. I'm going to go over there and pray. And then as he's walking, I, I can just figure, he now turns around and goes, wait, hold on. Peter, James, John, hey, you come with us. Come on. And sure enough, he takes these three guys into the inner part of the garden, leaves the other eight guys out there, and goes to this place. And then he tells them, hey guys, Peter, James, John, y'all stay here, and now I'm going to go pray. See this thing that Jesus understands a bit of what he's about to go into. You kind of understand what he's about to go pray for. He understands the dire pressure of what's about to happen, and notice he brings people along with him. Now, uh, the enemy hates you and I. Um, I don't know if, if, uh, there's any men in here, you know, a lot of guys, one of the things that guys love to collect a lot is, is tools. You know, I, I, I don't know about you. I, I have one of the guys that's here at the church, him and his dad own a house, a couple, couple houses away from me. And I go over to their, to their house and they have a shop and it's a huge shop. Um, and you know what the entire shop is filled with tools. And I'm talking about every tool you can imagine. If I need a tool, then I go there because when you come to mind, I actually have a shop. I bought a house that's got a shop. You know what's in my shop? Nothing. <laughs> Trash and junk. That's actually what's in it. <laughs> you know where my tools are? In a little red toolbox about this big right here. And I got three drawers. That's my tools. Okay. I don't have many tools. Actually, all the guys that have these trucks that have toolboxes like Denny and all of them, I'm more jealous. They have more tools in the back of their truck than I have at my house. I feel a little bit, not as much as a man, but it's okay. I'm getting there. I'm building my collection, okay? I just got a power drill. It's nice. I love it. I'm no longer, okay, anyways. All right, so we're getting there. Got my first saw last year. I felt like a man walking out of Lowe's. Um, and so I want you to hear me on this. When we think about the enemy, we think he's got so many tools that how he gets at us and he's got all these things. The enemy actually only has two tools, two you know what those two tools are? Lie to you 
and isolate you. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. Lie to you and isolate you. So here we are with Jesus in the garden. And guess what the number one thing that the enemy is going to want to do to Jesus? He's going to want to lie to him. The enemy lies to us to try to confuse us. I don't know what's going on. And then when he does that, then we start believing that nobody's with us, nobody's for us, and then he isolates us. Isn't that how it happens? When you're under pressure, what are the, what are the two things that end up happening to you? You start believing a lie. I can't make it! Really? Really? I think you're going to make it tomorrow. Begin to believe the lie, and then what we do is we isolate ourselves from the people who can help us the most. So Jesus knows that. So Jesus brings along these guys. Brings along his three guys going, guys, I need you. You'll see throughout this story. When he goes and prays, he comes back to the guys and goes, guys. And what are they doing? They're sleeping. You'll see in a little bit. They're sleeping. He's like, wake up. I need you. And he'll go back and pray and then he'll come back and back to his guys. And you and I, we need people. Can I get an amen on this? Don't wait until the pressure's on for you to try to develop relationships. You should be developing relationships now for when the pressure's on. And when the pressure's on, you need to press into people. You need to draw in to people. Don't draw away. Don't isolate. Because you know how the enemy works? He's the same way like a lion or anything. You know how lions and alligators and all that, you know how they, they get their prey? You know who they, they are looking for? The ones that are by themselves. They're looking for the weakest and most lonely one. So I'm going to tell you right now, there's just strength in being together with people. You might, be, you might be hurting, you might be struggling, but if you're together with people, the enemy has a lot harder time attacking you if you're just with people. That's some good preaching, Pastor Josh. Way to go. Some good stuff. I'll, I'll amen myself. And so we've got to get around. That's why we do life groups. That's why we do next step. That's why we say, listen, church is not an event you attend. It's a family you belong to. You need a family. You need people to walk with you. Everything's not peaches and cream and roses. When life's hard, you better have people in your corner. Because if you don't, you'll be facing alone. And only people who quit are people who are alone. It's easy to quit when you're alone. It's hard to quit when you got people around you going, hey, you ain't quitting. Get up. I'll, I'll drag you there. Let's go. So people, look at the second one. Prayer. Look at this verse. Matthew 26, 39. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he what? What does it say? He prayed saying, my father... If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Write this in just down. I, I don't have it in your notes, but I want you to write this down. Pressure should always lead us to prayer, not to panic. Pressure should always lead us to prayer, not to panic. Where does it lead you? It should always lead us to a place of prayer. Listen to me. It's great to have the friends and it's great to have people. And we do need people. I'm not undermining that you need people. But you better be able to have a one-on-one intimate relationship with God where you can hear from God. You better. Because if you don't, what's going to happen when you call your friend and they're not able to be there for you? Pastor Bubba tells me all the time, sometimes when he calls Pastor Jacob, Pastor Jacob's told him, hey, listen, if you call me and I don't answer the phone, that means you need to talk to Jesus. So I'm going to start using that. If you call me and I don't answer, you need to talk to Jesus. Ignore, ignore, talk to Jesus, ignore, talk to Jesus, talk to Jesus. So now y'all going to be like, you want me to talk to Jesus? All right. So here's the question that I have. Notice what Jesus prays. My father... 
if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. How could Jesus have the courage to say something like this in the midst of such extreme pressure? Now, I, I love basketball. I love playing it. I love beating anybody else in it. I love watching it. I love watching. I, I mean, I just love it. March Madness is going on right now. And so if there's, I rarely watch TV, but when I am right now, it's March Madness. I love it. I love college basketball. I love watching NBA. One of my favorite players is Stephen Curry uh, with the Golden State Warriors. A couple weeks ago, I was watching the game. It was late night. Everybody else had gone off the bed and they were playing uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it was just, the, I was literally one of the best games I've seen. They were down by 20 points into the fourth quarter. And I'm telling you, they came back and were just draining shots, brought it all the way back, tied it up. And it was like, I don't even remember how many seconds left in the game. It's one of those like intense pressured moments of what's going to happen. And guess who asked for the ball? Stephen Curry. I guarantee you they go up into that huddle and everybody's like, who are we passing the ball to? You're passing it to me. I, I want the ball. I want, and everybody else is like, just give him the ball. I mean, let him have the ball. So sure enough, they do an inbound play. They get Stephen Curry open. He grabs it. And I'm telling you, he probably shot 10 feet beyond the three-point line. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And he shot it and went up and boom, into the basket, won the game. Everybody was celebrating. It was in Oklahoma City's. It was at their home. So they were even celebrating more. It was crazy. I was up. I was cheering on them. I was, I was high-fiving myself because nobody else was up. It was awesome. And I thought about it. What allows Stephen Curry to have so much confidence in that moment to say, give me the ball? I want the ball. I mean, pressure's on. I mean, you don't make this. You might lose. You know what it is? Practice. Practice. See, Everybody sees what happens on the stage, but nobody sees what happens behind the scenes. See, Stephen Curry has shot that shot probably tens of thousands of times in a gym when probably nobody else was there. And just shooting that shot, shooting that shot, shooting that shot, and shooting that shot, and shooting that shot. And because he's able to shoot that shot when no pressure was on, he could shoot that shot when all the pressure was on. Why do I say that? Jesus prays a prayer that sounds very similar to the prayer that he prays all the time. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Do you know any other prayer that Jesus prayed that has somewhat similar or the same line? The Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how could Jesus say that in the garden? You know why? He had been saying that for all the time leading up to it. Now, listen to me very closely. If you will practice the presence of God when it's easy, you'll experience the presence of God when it's hard. Some of you are not having, you can't experience the presence of God. You know why? Because you haven't practiced it. You want the presence of God in that moment, when it's an ER moment, only at your terms when you want it. Stephen Curry makes the shot. You know why? Because he's willing to put in the time to make those shots in the gym so that when it's game time, he's on. And some of us in here only want to go to God in the hard times and not in the easy times. If you learn to go to God and get in his presence in the easy times, you'll easily get into the presence when it's the hard times. 
Y'all with me here? So listen to me. We've got it. When the pressure's on, we've got to press in. When the pressure's on, we've got to press in. When the pressure's on, we've got to press in. We've got to press into people. Don't draw away from people. Get into people. Call somebody. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. Get in with people. Get connected. And then you've got to press into prayer. We don't want to go into panic mode. We want to go into prayer mode. I might lose my job. Don't panic. Pray. I don't know what to do with my kids. Don't panic. Pray. Get with people. Y'all with me here? Got to press in. Okay. All right. Number two, the difference between where I am and where God wants me to be. The difference between where I am and God wants me to be is the pain that I'm willing to endure. That's number two. The difference between where I am and where God wants me to be is the pain that I'm willing to endure. Verse 37 says that Jesus began to be greatly sorrowful and troubled. Troubled. I looked it up in the Greek. It actually means to be overcome with shocking terror. Jesus goes into the garden. He's going to pray and he's overcome with a flood of emotions of sorrow and trouble. Trouble meaning overcome with shocking terror. The only way that I can visually describe this, and it's a big graphic, but just so you can get a picture of what Jesus is about to endure, the, the word trouble, overcoming with shock and terror, would be like for husbands in here, if you came home from work, walked into your house, and everybody in your family was killed and just laying there. That is overwhelmingly shocking terror. And that is what Jesus is facing in this moment. So what is happening that has him so overwhelmingly shocked? Well, let me show you. So verse 40. And he came to the disciples. And so he prayed the first time. And now he comes to the disciples and he finds them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you might enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now watch this. And again for the what? Say it out, say it out loud. Second time. Okay, you need to jot this down. I'm trying to show you something here. For the second time, he went away and he what? What does he do? He prays. And this is what he prays. My father, if this, is, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 43. And he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, third time saying what? Okay. So let me show you what's going on here. So for 30 years, 30 years, Jesus has had this very intimate connection with his father. Very intimate. Anytime you look all throughout the gospels and you look at the life of Jesus, every time Jesus was under pressure, you know where he went, went to the mountain. What was he doing? Praying. God, take these people out or take me out. I don't know. I don't know how he prayed. Help me, help me, help me, help me. He's always going to the father and praying to get strength. So here we are in the midst of Jesus in his most extreme moment of his entire life. And so where does he go? He goes to the presence of God. He goes to God, his father, and says, God, I don't want to do this. But if there's no other way, then I guess we'll have to do it. And what does the father say? Nothing. This is the first time Jesus goes to the father, and the father is quiet. That is the shocking horror. He just realized 
that he had just stepped into something that he's never experienced in his whole life. Is he, is he fearful of the, the physical torment? I'm sure. Is he fearful of the shame that's going to come with him being publicly naked and humiliated before people? Yes, I'm sure. Is he, is he, is he mad that his guys deserted him and left him? Yes, I'm sure. Those are things. But the thing that got him the most was his father had left him. He's never had his father leave him. And in this moment, his father leaves him. William Lane, who is a New Testament scholar, spoke about this exact moment. I want you to hear what he said. He said, the only explanation is that God has already begun to turn his face away. The crucifixion has already started. This is the horror of one who lived wholly for the Father, who came to be with his Father for a brief interlude before he would die, and instead of finding heaven, he found hell. Because the truth is, most of us, when we think of hell, we think of burning fire, right? You're going to go to hell. Like You think of like fire and flames. and You know what hell really is? Abandonment by God. No God. That is hell. No God. And here we are in this moment, and the father who he was the closest to was not even there. I, the only way that I could describe this, and I, 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 don't even, I can't even put into words how this must feel, but I can only think uh, when Joel was under, when he, when, when he had his big, huge surgery that we had, and four or five kids had only had that, and he was like, the sixth or seventh kid that had ever had this surgery. So much pressure that was there. A lot of emotions that were there. Pastor Bubba was there. Um, Joel was the first time ever intubated. And I saw it intubated. I'd never seen him intubated. And he was intubated. And he was under anesthesia. And that night I had told Lindsay to go, go to the hotel. Because I wanted to be there with him. And I knew what was going to happen would be really, really hard for her to see. And sure enough... My greatest nightmares came true. He would come in and out of consciousness, and he would just go, he couldn't talk. So he'd just go, Dad! Dad! And I'm, at my, I'm, I'm crying, trying to console my son in that moment, trying to love on him. And I want you to think, think that moment. This is as close of a description as I can get. Think in that moment. If Joel's going, Dad! And instead of me loving on him, I look at him, and I turn, and I walk out the door. That's this moment. Times a hundred for Jesus. Jonathan Edwards, who's a very famous preacher, said this. Why did God let Jesus see this before the cross? You understand, like, God the Father didn't have to show Jesus that this was going to happen, right? You know that, right? Like he could have just experienced it on the cross. My God, my God, on the cross, what does he say? Why have you forsaken me? He says it on the cross. But yet God shows Jesus in the garden, even before any of this starts, what's going to happen. Why? Listen to this answer. I wrote it on, I put it on the screen because I want you to read it. Why did God let Jesus see this before the cross? It was so that we could see Jesus go to the cross. What's that word? Meaning he was, he didn't have to. 
He chose to go to the cross voluntarily, knowing full well what he was about to experience so that his love for us would be put on display even more. Some of you think Jesus went to the cross because he had to. No, he didn't have to. He went on the cross because he wanted to. You are. Hebrews 12, 2 says that, that Jesus, uh, for the joy that was set before him, that Jesus endured the cross. What was the joy? You and me and this whole world that for God so loved the world. So here's the question that I place. Why would we ever doubt how much God loves us? It is evident right here. This is what John Owen says. He says, in light of the cross, listen to this. The greatest unkindness you could do is to doubt that God loves you. It's the greatest unkindness that we could do is ever doubt that God loves you. Man, I don't know if God could love me. Yes, he can. You know why? Because he did and he showed it because he voluntarily went and laid his life down for you and for me when he didn't have to. And I don't know about y'all, but that should get you really excited to know that your love, your family won't even do that for you. But Jesus did. And the Bible says that we are actually his enemies. And yet he does this for us. And so I say this, if Jesus endured the pain for me, And certainly I can endure the pain for him. If Jesus can endure the pain of the cross to reconcile and redeem me and forgive me and cleanse me, then I can endure the pain of whatever it takes right now for me to follow him. If it means I got to have integrity when everybody else is not having integrity, I'll endure that pain. If it means that I'm going to stand up and say no when everybody else is saying yes, I'll endure that pain. If that means that if, if for me to be free, a lot of people don't want to endure the pain of what it takes to, for God to bring you where he wants to bring you. The difference between where you are and where God wants you to be is the ability to endure the pain that it takes to get to that place. Amen. And some of you are stuck where you are because you don't want to go through the pain that it's going to take to get you there. But know this, that God will help you every single step. He'll give you the strength you need. Maybe your marriage is failing. Don't quit. Endure the pain. Embrace the pain. Walk through the pain. And let's get to a healthy side. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. And you're just like, I'm just giving up. I've had enough. Don't. Jesus endured the pain for you. You can endure the pain for him. Amen? This is where we are. So when God says, do it this way, do marriage this way, live godly this way, you know why he's doing that? Because he's out for your greatest joy, because you are his greatest joy. So that is point number two. And last but not least, let's wrap all this up. Point number three, I see my heart best when I see my heart pressed. I see my heart best When I see my heart pressed, Uh, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane actually means olive press. It is not coincidence that Jesus in his most intense under pressure moment of his life, that he happens to be in a garden that means olive press. And, and, and do you know how you get the olive out of uh, the, the oil out of the olive? You press it. 
you squeeze it. Meaning that the, the, the more I squeeze this olive, then the more the oil will come out. Some of you are in such dire pressure right now, and I want you to hear me on this. You are in pressured moment now, not because God's trying to do something to you, but he's trying to get something out of you. And he's trying to do something in you and through you. Feeling the pressure? Jesus loves you. See, we think Jesus must not love me because everything's going crazy. No, he actually loves you because he's getting all the fear out. Because you get squeezed. What comes out? Fear. Hey, I might lose my job. And what, what did we just prove there? We put our hope in our job more than Jesus. Squeezing it. Squeezing it. We don't have no money. That's all right. Is God your provider? Y'all with me here? What gets squeezed under pressure pops out of us unbelief, fear, worry, anger. They caused me to be like that. No, you know what? They didn't cause you. They just brought it out of you. That was in you already. Y'all with me here? So when we get squeezed, what comes out of us reveals a lot about us. Let me show you James chapter one. We're going to wrap this whole thing up. James one in the message translation. I love this translation for this verse gives us a kind of a different perspective. Look what it says. Consider it a sheer what circle that word gift. Consider it a sheer gift. Friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all what? I mean, no, when, when, when it rains, it, it pours, right? I mean, you got a flat tire, your wife don't like you, you just lost your job. I mean, it's like everything. So what's going on here? Because it seems like everything's just coming. Pressure from all sides. Now watch. The Bible says that this is a gift. You're like, can I give the gift back? But watch what he says. You know that under what? <laughs> there, there's, our, there's our title. Under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its what? True colors. I'm not going to sing the song, but it's, you're going to see some true colors. You get squeezed, the true colors come out. Man, it's easy to be all nice and good whenever everything's going good. Get squeezed, and it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? Deep in the pit. It was down there. You squeezed it out of me. But watch what he says. Not only are the true colors, here's, here's what he's telling us. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Isn't that what we do with pressure? We try to get out of it. Try to relieve it. I don't want it anymore. He says, don't get out of this prematurely. Let it do its work. It's working on you. Watch what it's doing. So that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in anything. Maybe, just maybe, God wants you to embrace the pressure. Not try to run from it. This is all we do with pressure. We either try to run from it or we try to cope through it. So we run to other substances and things and people to try to deal with the pressure that's in our lives. But the pressure never gets dealt with. Because God's trying to do something in you, not to you. And there are some things in your life that can only be produced by pressure. God, make me patient. Watch what you're praying. You know what, God, you just prayed for? Pressure. God made me just love. Really? Pressure. 
I'm going to put some people that will be spiritual sandpaper in your life. Y'all with me here? God, help me to trust you. Okay. Let's see. What can we do here? All right. Lose a job. Y'all with me here? And all of these things are a gift. But there's just some things in our life, character, that gets produced under pressure. Under pressure. Under pressure. Under pressure. Andrew, help me out here. Let me, let me give you a little um, demonstration here. We'll help you here. Y'all, um, y'all remember these? Y'all remember? Y'all remember those? Y'all remember? See if I can wake my son up. See? Look at it. <laughs> he's got headphones on, so he's just now. <laughs> Put your hands up. No, I'm joking. <laughs> There's some pressure in our life that squeezes things out of us. Pressure produces power. Y'all understand that, right? The more pressure, the more what comes out. I used to have these as kids. We used to have these in my grandma's house. We'd go swimming at the pool and, you know, it was all fun and stuff. I'm sorry. I'm paying for a lot of makeup and hair redone. All right, I understand. But this is cool this is cooler. And so, y'all know how these work, right? I'm praying right now. Who is it? Where's Jessica Touchet? You had a comment. You had a comment the other week that just kind of got underneath my, y'all know how this works, right? The greater the pressure, the more the power. And you know, and we're kind of like, God, am, am I like a two pumper? And he's like, no, you like a 20 pumper. More and more and more and more. Everybody that's watching on TV is glad that they aren't here right now. Because the more pressure we get in our lives, then the more power that God has to be able to do things through us. It's just water. It's not acid. I mean, you're going to be all right. I mean, you're going to be okay. I promise you. And so I promise you, you will never forget that when power is produced by more and more pressure, that's how it is. All right. We're going, yeah, (laughs) really? (laughs) Oh, wait, we can do this right now. It's not going to fare well for you. (laughs) Listen to me. We'll wrap all this up. I hope that visual stays in your head during the summer as you are with your kids at the water park. Realizing that the greater the pressure, the greater the power. You want power in your life? Invite the pressure. Embrace the pressure. Endure the pressure. Don't, don't run from the pressure. Don't try to cover the pressure up. Embrace it. Because everything that's coming, it's a gift. And God's doing something in you. Listen, if you hear Pastor Bubba and I share a powerful sermon, you know why? It's because we're going through hell. So when we preach a really good message, pray for us. Because the truth is the greatest messages come out of the greatest pressure. And you're learning things and God's doing stuff inside of you. That's where God is right now. And let, let me tell you how this plays out. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and there's pressure, pressure, pressure. And he's going to the Father and going, if it's possible... If it's possible, 
take it. He hears nothing three times. Then Jesus says, and here's what gets squeezed out of our Savior. Glad, willing, joyful submission to his Father. God, not my will, your will. That's what came out. And then when Jesus goes to the cross, and we'll, we'll celebrate this next week with the resurrection of Jesus. But we've got to realize that we are the ones, before we can enjoy the cross, we've got to realize we're the ones who put them on it. And when he's on that cross and the, the pressure of, of trying to breathe and his legs being, uh, his legs being hurt with the, the nail between his feet and the spear in his side and the crowns in his head and the slashes on his back and the nails in his hands and they say you die of suffocation and there's pressure. And in that moment, you know what he prays? God, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's the God who desires for you to be able to say the same thing. But you can't say that until you're filled with the life of God inside of you. Listen, Lindsay and I have walked through pressure. Pastor Bob and Ms. Tracy have walked through pressure. And if there's anything we've tried to do is be an example of how to have joy and trust Jesus in the pressure. Thinking all the thoughts that come and the weight that comes and you face that same thing too. My desire is that you would seek the Lord. You would press in. You'd press in to Jesus when the pressure's on. And that as God presses you and things come out, you just begin to allow the life of God now to flow inside of you. And the next time somebody squeezes you, what you used to say, you no longer say anymore. You know why? Because we replaced what was on the inside. It's no longer filled with rage and flesh and self. It's now filled with the spirit of God. And so when somebody bumps you, the spirit of God comes out. And you're like, be blessed. <laughs> Y'all with me here? I mean, I so that's where we are today, that the presence of God is here. And if you are discouraged, if you feel alone, if you feel rejected, think about the garden. Think about the garden. When Jesus was squeezed, the life of Jesus was getting squeezed out of him in his most intense moment, he didn't give up. He did not give up. And if he didn't give up then, then why would he give up on you now? Y'all with me here? He didn't give up on you then. He won't give up on you now. Come on, let's stand together. Father, we just come right here. God, we we just speak life over your people. If that's you in this place, you've just been going under pressure. There's just been pressure, pressure, pressure in your life. I want you just to raise your hands all across this room. Come on. Any people experiencing pressure right now? Jesus, we just pray right now, God, over every single hand that's raised, God. You know what the pressure is. You know where it's at. You know where it's coming from. But God, it really doesn't matter what the pressure is. It matters more about how we handle it. God, how you've called us to be men and women. God, we're better under pressure. We're better under pressure. God, we are as Christians. When things go dark, we brighten up. So God, I pray for the presence of God, the life of God, the fruit of your spirit. God, Holy Spirit, would you fill your people fresh and anew? Would you encourage them with hope this morning? Those who have walked in downtrodden, depressed, anxious, worried, fearful, full of rage, maybe full of unforgiveness. God, even right now, God, we just declare, God, we're, we forgive. We forgive because, God, you were forsaken so we would no longer be forsaken. 
You were turned aside, God, so that you could always be by our side. God, we pray right now for all the people today. God, encourage them in Jesus' name. Come on, just keep your head bowed. Keep your eyes closed. Just one more thing. Put your hands down. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus personally, you've never been what the Bible says, born again. Not that you haven't been baptized or you haven't gone to church, but you literally have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. You know what the truth is? You're under the greatest pressure right now. And Jesus today can relieve that pressure. The pressure of not knowing, am I going to make it to heaven? We can deal with that right here and right now. We can have full confirmation today that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for your sins. And that's you today. And you say, Pastor Josh, man, include me in that prayer. I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. Would you just raise your hand all across this room? Come on, there's hands going up all over. I see your hand there. Yours there. Anybody else? Raise your hand up so I can just see it. I see it over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being bold right here. I see it in the back. Thank you back there. Come on. Can we just all declare this together? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. Today, I declare I need you. Thank you for giving me new life. You today, you today are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for conquering death, hell, and the grave and relieving the greatest pressure in my life. And from this day forward, I'll seek you with all that I have. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said.